Hello, my name is Tristan Gooley and welcome to The Pursuit of Outdoor Clues, the podcast that invites you to join me in my pursuit of outdoor clues. In each episode, I venture outdoors in search of a new clue and along the way we get to know some of my favourites better too. For this episode, I'm walking into my local woods again, uh, which I'm happy to do at any time of day or year. But today does feel a bit different. It's a it's a beautiful day, barely a cloud in the sky. There's always one or two, but um, it feels different. Not not because of the environment, not because of my surroundings, but because we are in lockdown. It is March the 24th, and last night Boris Johnson addressed the nation, and we're allowed one daily excursion for exercise, so I'm not breaking the law here, uh, but that's enough about that. Today I'm oh, a little bumblebee working its way between the dry beech leaves. I'll just see if I can get close enough for you to have a listen. don't think I want to get a lot closer than that. Yes, sometimes I'm going to be heading out looking for a wonderful example of a particular outdoor clue and sometimes I'm going to be looking for the first ever example of a new clue And sometimes, like today, I'm just going to be on the lookout. I'm going to just keep going until I hopefully find something exciting, something different. It's the middle of the afternoon. I can feel the sun on the back of my neck and I'm walking towards my shadow. So I must be walking northeast. I can hear a light sprinkling of birdsong in the woods around me. It's quite subdued birdsong, even in spring. Um, in the middle of the day. We get peaks at either end of the day, the the dawn chorus being the most famous. In the middle of the day things do do quiet down a little bit. Just going to pause. I've seen a grey squirrel that saw me first and has darted to a tree that I wouldn't have expected it to go for actually. 
maybe I did surprise it a little bit because it's it's unusual for squirrels to go for isolated trees and there's a tree here which is so covered in thick ivy that I can't initially anyway work out what it is uh, I think it's a goat willow um so yes <laughs> the squirrel's up there somewhere less which is often the case they have a sneaky sneaky branch they used to find to another tree but the broader the broader thing is squirrels will will tend to flee towards a network of trees they don't like isolated ones so if you approach one and you've got a choice of a, a few trees and a, there's a group of them that are connected and then one on its own it becomes quite easy to guess which way the squirrel's going to go I can see a a favourite yew tree of mine and one of the forestry team has done a little bit of work sawing some branches off um, it reminds me of a a couple of yew trees that were felled on top of a a hill a few miles from here and the reason the trees were taken down was they were changing the use of the land it was going to be used for for pasture and grazing uh, and the yew trees were were taken away because they'd be considered a a threat to the animals I think but it made me very sad because they took one tree that I'd been using as part of a course for many years it, it was an exemplar it was a wonderful demonstration of many of the wind's effects it was it was like a sculpture to me I did feel very sad when they took it away and that. Ah, we've upset one of the birds. Sounds like a a great tit, I think. Let's have a look. Possibly coal. Yes. It's not happy with me being here at all. off it goes yes back to the the yew tree that I was sad to lose I, I think in outdoors there's a there's a relationship many of us form with certain landmarks and it's very hard for anybody else to necessarily know that that relationship is there I doubt there was anyone in the world other than those who'd come on a course who knew what that that tree meant and possibly even even then um, you know we see see monuments and buildings and places of historical or other cultural interest and they they get their blue plaques and they they're protected but there are so many places in the countryside that have different sorts of meanings and different 
form different bonds and they're never protected unless they're one of those incredibly old trees just having a look at some of the buds it's that time of year where the buds can start to swell and burst I'd expect the the ash there aren't quite as many as the, there were even this time last year quite a few of them have been felled because of ash dieback but the ash or the oak I'd expect to see some buds swelling maybe over here let's have a look Now this is quite a mighty oak actually with not many lower branches intact so I can't get close to the buds themselves but something I'm looking for is at this time of year a lot of people are waiting for the the big show the uh, the grand opening when the leaves burst out and the, the green canopy spreads out across the woodland but before that happens there's something worth looking for which is the trees long before the, the green of the leaves is visible the trees change in appearance because each bud swells just before it bursts and because there are thousands of these buds all over the canopy it actually changes the appearance of the tree at this time of year it gives it a slightly thicker perhaps we could say more opaque darker appearance I think I'm seeing a bit of that in that oak it's not dramatic it's one of those subtler signs right Let's go up this hill here. Ah, yes, of course the hawthorn is out. Hawthorn's been out at least a couple of weeks and the young leaves make a, I won't say a wonderful snack. They're, uh, they're edible, that's for sure. And again, whenever I pause, it, things just start to shine out. There's a, a very clear badger run through here. I might follow that. I dip below this low beech branch and getting very close to the buds there. No sign of new life there. Wow, this is a real badger motorway, this one.
lots of bumblebees. I've seen a three in the last five minutes. Ah, and here is a badger set, but it's an old disused one. One of the ways we can tell badger holes from from other animals um, is that they... Oh, what's that noise? I thought I heard a, wood, a woodpecker. Um, the badgers do a handbrake turn. They come out of the set, out of their hole. They very rarely carry straight on. They like to uh, take a sharp turn and that's nearly always visible. They pop out the, the hole and then take a, a left or a right, pretty much at a right angle. That's what I'm seeing here. Now, maybe that's a clue I could look for, actually. Clearly been a lot of badger activity. Probably not a lot over the last few months, but um, over the years there has been a lot. And the clue I just had an idea to look for doesn't need recent activity. Yes, bear with me. I'm just going to have a little... Little look round here. Yes, I think this is this is going to work. This is a good area. What I thought I might do is just spend a little while investigating the badger set and just seeing if there's any dependable clue in their alignment. Now, my understanding, and it's fairly fairly recent, is that badgers like to have their their openings their holes on the side that the prevailing wind comes from from the southwest side and i have noticed this in the odd example here and there but i've never put the time aside to actually go and have a look at quite a few so that's what i'm going to do now i'm going to start following Every time I pick up a trail, however old it is, I'll try and find the set and then we can see. One of the challenges in searching for uh, badger sets in this woodland is that there are a lot of root balls, a lot of uh, trees have been upended by the storms over the years and they leave this this mound in the earth which does look from a distance very like a set so 
it's not actually very effective to just scan the uh, the ground looking for these bumps. What I have to do is actually try and pick up the the runs themselves, which isn't too tricky to do. Ah, well, what have we here? There's a lot of leaf litter, so where there's bare mud, you can tell almost instantly if it's if it's a deer. I mean, they do use each other's um, a fair amount, but one of the best quick ways of telling that it's a badger, not a, a deer, is wherever there's any obstacle. So if I follow this one for a few yards, then sure enough, there is a very low fallen branch and the, the trail goes straight underneath it. And the branch is only, well, it's about knee height, not a lot more than a foot off the ground. Uh, not many deer are going to go along that. So I will just keep following it and keep lifting my eyes looking for any twists or turns. busy here. Something's been digging. Something reasonably big. I can't tell exactly what yet. Something, something a bit of a scratch. Very possibly a badger. I've been following this trail for probably about 50 metres now and exploring off to the sides a bit as well as I tend to do. Um, and I've just come across a really lovely example. Um, the, the ground is a, it's quite a, it's a interwoven sort of, it's almost like a carpet of tree roots. Um, with a, a thin layer of moss over them, nothing in the way of bare soil. There's lots of lots of needles, mainly from the the spruces around me. Uh, quite a few 
spruce cones that have been nibbled down to the core. But the thing I've spotted, which is a bit more relevant for what I'm doing at the moment, is that these roots that have um, mostly spruce roots that have this thin layer of moss on them, and the moss is a is a fairly even carpet, so like a sort of series of very skinny green fingers that are interlocked. Um, but there's a line running over the top of them of bare roots. And it's the sort of thing, it's very easy for the eye to miss. But if you are, if you are trying to follow the path of, of animals, then what they do is they pass over any obstacle, even small low ones like these roots, is they scuff the surface. And of course they don't do it randomly, they do it in a line. So what happens when you, when you kind of tune your, your vision in is you start to notice that there's a line of bare roots. It starts with noticing one or two, where you just suddenly go, oh, why is that bare? And then you, you let your, your focus sort of drift in and out and lower your head a little bit. And then you suddenly just spot that the moss has been taken off, in this case, half a dozen of these roots in a near perfect straight line. And if I follow that, I get all the way to a birch branch where it looks like some something's been nibbling the bark off the top. And that would be, you know, a good first guess of what's gone on here. But actually, I can see that it's in line with all of the the roots, um, the bare roots where the, the animal, in this case, I'm, I'm certain a badger, has taken that moss off and then just hopped over this birch branch as it lies there. Must have been there good possibly three years, I guess. Definitely rotting now. Um, and yeah, the, the bark has been taken off entirely by... Um, it's one of those things so often in nature we find that it, it's hard to credit that there would be an effect. So the idea of a badger crawling over a log, you think, well, we're obviously not going to get much in the way of tracks or footprints. But are we? is it going to leave any signs? And, and one badger going over once is not going to have any great effect. But several badgers over months and possibly even years following the same course we are going to get like anything a very steady um, gradual build-up of effect and it can become quite dramatic in time You might have been able to hear the uh, the sound underfoot changing quite dramatically there. I've just emerged from the spruces into beech woodland and the thick dry carpet. I mean it's very noticeable. We've had three days of sunshine maybe now but I, I honestly can't remember the last time I heard this crisp dryness in the leaves underfoot 
all the light levels have changed and the understory has changed completely. Now there weren't lots of low plants under the, the conifers, under the spruces, because it is pretty dark there. But there was a very, very different feel. There was a carpet of mosses and suddenly we've got these this carpet of dry leaves, but what I'm finding here is a nice patch of bluebells. Now the bluebells aren't out yet, we've got a few weeks to go, but they're looking healthy, they're looking ready to entertain us. It's one of the real highlights of this part of the world, the, the chalk downs, this beechwood. And something I wrote about in uh, my last book, Wild Signs and Star Paths, uh, is a little a little uh, technique I like to use, which is pairing. Uh, it's it's related to all clues and signs, but it's it's just when you know two things go together, you can pair them, and you just practice thinking of them as a pair, and then every time you see one of them, you think of the other. And this is a, a very nice matching pair. I wasn't, I wasn't planning this. It did just pop up. But bluebells and badgers go together. Now, with many outdoor clues, um, what we find is there is a causal relationship. So we find that we have lots of beech trees here. Um, uh, and that's because they love the, the, the dry, chalky soil that we're on there is a direct relationship between those two things if we changed the geology if we took away the chalk and put clay here um, we we'd find the the trees would change as a result of that so there's a there's a causal link between those two things but pairing can be used when there is no causal link so if we take uh, an old favorite like stinging nettles and dock leaves. Whenever a child is stung by a stinging nettle, uh, us parents rush around looking for dock leaves. And for years, I wasn't sure whether the dock leaves were doing any good. As a child, I wasn't sure when my parents... Um, I remember my mother rubbing them uh, frantically on my stings, whether it did any good. Uh, they do do some good. There are antihistamines um, uh, in dock leaves. But I digress, as I so often do. So back to the pairing. We, we so often find dock leaves where there are stinging nettles. Oh, roe deer just darting away over there. And it's turned side on, which is what they do. I've seen quite a few roe deer over the last few days. Oh, there's... No, I thought that was another one. Um, right, back to the, the dock leaves and the stinging nettles. So the, the, the dock leaves and stinging nettles are a good pair, but there is no causal relationship between them. There is something that links them, but they, they, one doesn't cause the other. And again, it's the, it's the soil there. In, in the case of dock leaves and stinging nettles, they both need nutrient-rich soil. They both like there to be a lot of nitrates and phosphates in the soil. So if the soil is right for 
um, stinging nettles, it's ripe for dock leaves as well. So we tend to find them in the same place, but one doesn't cause the other. And it's a very similar thing with the bluebells and the badgers. Badgers hate waterlogged soil. It's no use to them at all. Uh, and the same is true of bluebells. They like this well-drained, um, dry, chalky soil. Uh, so we can just remember badgers and bluebells, bluebells and badgers. And where we see a badger set, we can be hopeful of finding some bluebells, especially at the right time of year and vice versa. Now, I've drifted, I think, out of badger territory here. So I'm going to just head a little bit downhill, back to this edge between the two woodland types. I think my chances of spotting a set will be a bit better down here. I'll let you have a listen now as we drift back down. We're still in the beech woodland. Still in the beech woodland. I'm not going to tell you when we head back into the conifers. You're going to do that by listening. sure you pick that up we go from the the crunchiness of the beech leaves to a different sound it's far from quiet i can walk more quietly than this but it's less fun for this for this little experiment uh we're now in a a different sort of litter the uh, lot of um scots pine needles here um and a lot more um small broken branches which are giving it a the, the needles have a softer sound to them, but the, the branches, when they, when they break underfoot, have a much more crunchy sound. And now onto a carpet of moss. emerged from the conifers now passing through a stand of a uh, coppiced hazel which is in itself a clue when we get that sort of 
explosion of dozens of hazel branches out of the ground, um, which is a, a clear sign of the, the coppicing. Uh, coppicing is um, the, the habit of harvesting um, wood. I think in the case of hazel, I think the, the cycle is roughly 15 years. And every 15 years, the, the tree can be cut down the many different poles can be cut down very close to the ground and not only does it sorry I thought I heard something sounded like an owl a bit early for that but not impossible um, not only does it not do the tree any harm it actually does it quite a lot of good it's a counterintuitive um, fact the, uh, we're so used to uh, an animal slash human way of of, view, of viewing these things, that the idea that you, you chop, chop a tree down and it actually does it a lot of good. But, you know, the, the, the acid test of that is that coppice trees uh, live a lot longer than, than trees that aren't coppiced. Pretty much all deciduous trees can be um, coppiced or pollarded, which is when um, the aim is to stop uh, grazing animals uh, and deer in particular um, from attacking the new shoots so if you if you chop a hazel or other tree down to the ground and the new shoots form uh, and it makes a very tasty juicy meal for animals like deer but you can thwart the deer by only cutting the tree down as far as roughly sort of adult head height um, perhaps a little bit higher sometimes and you can spot this too uh, there are none that I'm looking at around here at the moment but you see them you see them a lot in um, in old parks uh, where there are deer that historically uh, the, the foresters would want to harvest the wood but they didn't want to endanger the tree so it'd be cut down to about six foot and uh, there wasn't much the deer could do about that. Come out onto a a broad a broad um, track and some good animal signs here. A horse has skidded to a halt, but the mud has dried, so that little episode has been frozen in time there. And I'm just having a look at this uh, wild cherry tree here. Wild cherries are quite easy to identify um, from their... Uh, their <sighs> stripes is a, a simplistic way of putting it but uh they're actually where the bark is able to breathe but these horizontal lines that you you see on the the cherry and i use that as a way of remembering what the cherry signifies because wild cherries are only found at the edges of woodlands they're quite often planted because they are beautiful particularly uh uh, as spring goes on but um, in in any established woodland if you come across 
wild cherries, uh, as I've seen a few here, they're always at the edge. And the way I remember it is these these lines that you see. I think of them like the sort of horizontal lines that make up uh, the wire on fences. Uh, it sounds a bit a bit strange, but that's that just helps trigger that image in my mind. It makes me think of a fence, and then it reminds me that this tree is um, signifying the edge of woodland. And the same is true of birches, so it's not a great surprise to see one of those here as well. There's a silver birch here, although it's not very silver because it's got a generous coating of Trentopolia on the, uh, the north side. Right, this area here feels well worth returning to the Badger investigation. There are, we're at the edge again of a coniferous area and a beach area. There are a few mounds from the upturned trees. And as you can hear, I'm walking in the more open beach side of this divide. Just keeping my eyes peeled and peering in to the edge for signs of a badger run. promising what looks like another polished tree root a second a third and then it becomes much less distinct but there's a there's a color change and lowering the eyes is such a key part of this and yes there is a there is a line there i think if i follow this i think we will find our bounty Going around the edge of a very old rotten tree stump. But I think, ah, oh yes, here we go. Yeah. 
And there is the set. A rather beautiful mossy cover to the mound and two very clear holes there and the handbrake turn in the earth just above has not been used in recent months but doesn't look years old either but the encouraging thing is the opening is on the southwest side there's just just enough light coming in from the southwestern sky making its way between the trees there to just throw a little sunlight on the mouth of the uh, the badger set now i don't think in this <laughs> short investigation we've really wrapped that one up but i think it's one of those ones that's that's going to rumble on i don't i think that casebook may may have to stay open on a shelf for a for a few years it's the sort of it's the sort of clue where getting a a very sort of general sense that it works is quite easy but then there'll always be subtleties, intricacies. Um, one thing I've noticed over the years is nature's very inviting and, and is happy for us to, to get to know it on one level very, very quickly. But the deeper we go, the, the deeper we try and form that relationship... <laughs> the more we discover that there are these interconnections. So, of course, the badger doesn't sit down and get out a compass, but they are very, very well-tuned to the wind. So there is a logical connection between prevailing wind from the southwest and you're getting a fast sense of what's going on uh, as soon as they're nose is above ground but there will be other factors and I can't claim at this moment to know what they are Um, but that's one I think we'll revisit from time to time it's sometimes interesting when there are are examples that completely break the rule in inverted commas the rule doesn't exist it's it's a guiding principle um, and that's what makes makes the clue but Sometimes if we if we find an area perhaps and we we find there are half a dozen sets and and the the mouth is all pointing are all pointing in the uh, the opposite direction to the one we expect there's nearly always something of value and interest and and quite often a new clue there as well I've just spotted a load of uh, midges well they look they look larger than the midges I'm used to from this area but that's quite a good seasonal sign they're catching the sunlight and they're hovering over something my my general view then is that something has has triggered this burst of activity it has to involve a little bit of warmth and a little bit of water I wouldn't expect to find any standing water here because we are over chalk but there might be something 
decaying with water in it or and the tricky thing is that they're they're very easy to spot in these slices of sunlight cutting through the woods but the second they move out of it I lose them so it's quite hard to to pick up their comings and goings I've just spotted what looks like another badger highway heading off uh, and I'm going to follow that. I'm going to continue the investigation. As I say, I don't think the book's going to shut. Um, but like so many of these clues, it's, it's uh, we'll just keep gathering the evidence as the picture comes into focus. I hope you've enjoyed investigation into the badger's habits and the one or two other clues and I hope you can join me next time. Until then, happy navigating!